All right, come find a seat. So good to be together. Sorry to break up your wonderful conversation. Um, though it, we really do feel like it is part of our worship, which is great. A couple of announcements. One is next Sunday is Community Sunday. So we're back at it in our communities in homes. And so uh, really excited about this next week and gearing up, obviously. So if you're a community leader, a network leader, and kind of help shape some of those, just want to let you know that. And there will be a short teaching um, as part of this series, as part of the rhythm in this series on hospitality as a core practice uh, in our homes. And so with that, you can take some time and watch that if you want as a group and just uh, wrestle through it. I think it'll be helpful as we look at these kind of four practices we're trying to cultivate in our homes. Um, I think that's actually the only announcement. We're gearing up for Christmas and it's gonna come quicker than you know, I know. Um, but uh, we're just really excited about the season and what's ahead and our Christmas party, some of the things we'll engage in through Advent. As well, wanted to say thank you to those of you that were involved yesterday with uh, serving at Arc Aid and this continual posture of kind of working with Arc Aid a few times a year, four or five times a year. And so thanks for serving. It was a great time. I think we served uh, 150 people at least, I think, um, last night. And so well done on that. And as a church, too, it gives us an opportunity to exercise generosity as we bring food. And so really thankful for you and your work there. With all that said, if you have a Bible and you want to open up with me, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. The goal of these weeks is to just look at four different practices that we can be practicing in our homes together. There's more things we could be doing, but over the last little while, I've been drilling down on four specific things that I think we could take our, into our homes as a way to cultivate Christ-likeness, as a way to cultivate a way in which we become more like Jesus to become people of love. And Last week we talked about scripture and the importance of kind of the story of the scriptures guiding and leading our homes, that it's not just something we bring to in this moment at church, but we really want to become these storytelling people. If you have kids, we want to become these storytelling people uh, over our kids and creating a space and almost a culture in our home, whether you have kids or not, to engage the scriptures. And like we talked last week, that's not all, always scripture and verse. A lot of times it has to do with kind of the big story of the Bible and engaging and reading in ways that can help kind of us immerse in the story because the first century culture obviously was more oral than they were text-driven, right? They didn't, this is gonna screw some people up sometimes, they didn't have Bibles, right? Hard to, hard to imagine in our obsession with the Bible, and I'm there, I love the scriptures, and think we have it in our hands, we might as well read it, right? We have it. But it is so hard sometimes in our mind in the Western world to realize as much as we push like daily devotions and Bible reading, which I am all for, the first century people literally had to come to the house churches really to get scripture. It was limited. And it shows us that it was a culture that was an oral culture passing this on. Now what we're going to do, and just yeah, my hope is, is that we can, you know, again, cultivate some of that in our homes and that our homes would just be scripture saturated, story saturated in, uh, and this is a challenge for me, in the busyness of our lives and, you know, our, in our family, I know like this series is for me more than anybody, I think, just trying to discern how to implement this into our household. Now what we're going to do is take a few minutes and talk about prayer and the best place to start 
and we, we, I mean, we talk about this all the time, is Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Because Jesus says this, read with me, and when you pray, can you just say that with me? And when you pray, what's Jesus' assumption? That as disciples, apprentices of him, that we will pray, right? That there's a sense of Jesus on the mountain leading and teaching these disciples that this rhythm of prayer is a thing. He says like this, don't be like the hypocrites or the actors, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, and they pray to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Here's what you do. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. So this, just if you're asking, Jesus says, you know, if, if you're asking, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. My mine runs out. Sorry, in, in, my, in my cut and paste text, mine runs out. Is yours run out? Mine, it doesn't run out. You get the point. That, uh, I should know this by heart. Sorry, that was a little weird. It got deleted. That's terrible. That's, I should be, you, you get the point. Okay, Matthew 6, read it when you get home. Oh, okay, a little grace for me, okay? It's been a week. Um, okay, so like, and you've heard me say this before. Let me sum it up for you. The Lord's Prayer should be the model in which we pray. And you've, this is not new if you've been around the community for years. Come to, the, come to God as Father, our Father, our collective Father. Pray that as God is holy, we would be holy. A sense of leaning into God's holiness. Pray that God's will would be done in the here and now. So the Lord's Prayer is shaped by a kingdom now mentality, a kingdom now in our moment. And with that comes praying for a just society. So our prayers are ultimately Jesus followers shaped around justice and righteousness. Pray for forgiveness, which is just really easy for all of us and the ability to forgive others. Think about, I was just thinking as I read this, when, when was the last time I prayed not only for forgiveness, but for this ability to forgive my enemies, right? And pray for the ability to re resist evil. We keep coming back to this because this is in Jesus' own words. Yes, Jesus modeled a life of prayer, but this in Jesus' own words is how we should pray. Now the tension is, and many of you know my own journey with this is, I grew up in a very free Pentecostal, I'm very thankful for it actually, of, um, I'm very thankful for it. Uh, free Pentecostal evangelical world where prayer was very much a free thing, right? It was, um, you know, the stodgy old kind of like liturgical people, they did the scripted prayer stuff, but we were kind of free in how we came to God. We came to God with what was on our mind and heart. And there is, that is wonderful. But many of you know, several years ago in my own, this is like, this hits home for me because as we talk about prayer, I am the, the, I feel like the most inadequate person to teach on this. 
And as we look at it in the context of your, your, our homes, there's a tension here because this has been a journey in and of myself over the last several years. But I did a few years ago realize that when you look at prayer in the scriptures, it's not at times as spontaneous as you think. Now, there's, sponta- there's spontaneity for sure, but one of the things that I have seen and just journeying through the scriptures is that rhythm, a rhythm of prayer actually takes precedence over this type of spontaneity that sometimes I grew up in as kind of being viewed as the very spiritual thing. Are you following me? Am I making sense? I'm all for off-the-cuff prayers, and I don't think you always need a paper in front of you, obviously. But there's something, I think, missed when we don't realize and, and see that God's people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, entered into rhythm-type prayers. The language we've used around here is fixed hour, common fixed hour prayer throughout the day and the week. The Psalms talk about this, that one of the psalmists in Psalm 119 says, seven times a day I praise you, God, for your laws are righteous. Now, when did we read that? Psalm 119 was part of our psalm today, right? Crazy. Now, the the number seven probably was used in a general term here, not a literal way. Basically, the psalmist is saying and speaking that often and repeatedly throughout the day, I am praising you and I am coming to you. Uh, The Psalms mention prayer in the morning over and over and over. They mention prayer prayer in the evening as something that God's people just engage in over as a rhythm in their lives. Not only that, if you look at the story of Daniel, you know story Daniel in the lion's den, um, what's missed on us is that Daniel ends up in a lion den because he would open up his window, he would turn his body, not just his mind, but his body towards Jerusalem, and he would pray three specific times a day. He would move his entire life in a particular type of rhythm. Others of you have heard me say this before, you know, Acts 2, sometimes we think of the early church as a community very spontaneous, and though they were, it's interesting that in Acts 2, when it says, uh, and it talks about the prayers amongst this community, that the plural form of that word is used, and that is important because prayer here probably indicates that there were actually recurring times of fixed hour prayer even in the early church as they adopted, yes, they obviously pushed against some of the, the, the Jewish kind of worldview and obviously Jesus being the Messiah and kind of pushing against some of that, but in reality, they took on these, these rhythms and practices, just like fasting. Fasting is not like, you know, we do a lot of 21 days of fasting and prayer, and that's fine. Early Christians fasted two days a week as part of their weekly rhythm. And so I've just begun to see, and you know, this is like kind of reteaching some stuff, but I think it helps us in the context of our homes and what we're going after because we schedule everything else, right? We schedule a lot of stuff that is important. You should see our calendars, ladies and gentlemen. Come. (laughs) You can come to therapy with me. It's good. Um, We schedule everything else. And I remember just catching myself. I would use the Paul lingo several several years ago. I am always praying, I would say to people. I, I pray without ceasing, right? Like is this spiritual kind of posture. And the reality is people that say that, no, you're not. You're not. You're just not, okay? And Paul means something when he says that, and we can get into that later. 
But one of the things that we need to take on is a posture of rhythm in prayer. Jesus, it was often said of him, Luke 5, uh, Luke 5 verse 15, Jesus is teaching the crowds. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more. So Jesus, the popularity of the Messiah coming and the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. And what does it say? Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place, to the lonely places, and he prayed. He drew away to the lonely place and he prayed. And actually, one of the things you know about Jesus over and over, it talks about uh, the morning really being a rhythm in his life of coming to the Father. I've been really, uh, my imagination has been really opened by this guy named Brother Lawrence. Some of you know him. He was born in 1610 in France. And uh, he fought in the Thirty Years' War where he sustained uh, a near-fatal injury to his sciatic nerve, which left him crippled and in chronic pain the rest of his life. And at midlife, he entered a newly established monastery in Paris, and he actually became the cook there for the community, and he was the sandal repair man, which I absolutely love. And as the cook and the sandal repair man, in this monastery, Brother Lawrence began to experience and know what it was to actually practice the presence of God in his life. What's fascinating is the cook and the sandal repair guy, he actually wrote letters to the local archbishop, and after his death, these, were, these letters were actually published. You can buy it in a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God, a really meaningful book in which Brother Lawrence beautifully explains how he continually walks with God. And one of the things that you see there is that there's a sense in the rhythm of his life that he entered into timed and fixed hours as he would devote his life to God. He would turn to God at different points, set points throughout the day, and he would pray and he would enter into this type of life. And my imagination has just been kind of lit up with this because as someone who obviously is pretty A-type and has a lot going on in his life, more than just kind of the spontaneous off-the-cuff stuff, which we need, I've just learned um, in my own life that daily Fixed hours is the way to go when we come to God in prayer. I love what Tish Warren, you know, it, the part of this fixed hour prayer kind of concept is taking scripted prayers from people in the past and mothers and fathers of the church and, and using them. Uh, I love what Tish Warren says. She's an Anglican priest. She says, when we pray the prayers we've been given by the church, not just kind of spontaneous ones, the prayers of the psalmist when you read the psalms and the saints, the Lord's prayer when you read it, and the daily office, we pray beyond what we know. We pray beyond what we believe or drum up in ourselves. Other people's prayers, she said, discipled me. They taught me how to believe again. They, uh, the, the sweep of church history exclaims that the law of prayer is the law of belief. We come to God with our little belief, however fleeting and feeble it is, and in prayer we are taught to walk more deeply into truth. When my strength waned and my words ran dry, she says, I needed to fall into a way of belief that carried me. I needed other people's prayers. And so that's why even as a church community, one of the things we often enter into is scripted prayers from the common book of prayer. We lean into other people helping shape our prayer lives. And 
you know, I just wonder in the day-to-day rhythm if we could lean into these things as well. So that's my big case. You hanging in there? That's my big case to say I'm all for spontaneity, but I just wonder, and I po- I'm just posing, I wonder if rhythm is better for us. And this is not new. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. We practice fixed hour prayer, I think, twice in the last five or six years. And again, with the practices, I mean, it's ultimately up to us to kind of engage that. We can teach till we're blue in the face, but part of it is obviously engaging in this. So the hope is, is to take the concept of fixed hour prayer and, you know, as individuals and practicing in community, is try and take this now to our homes. I joked a couple weeks ago, you know, the monastery gig is pretty cool, you know, like some of the mothers and church fathers of the past kind of devoting their lives to the spiritual disciplines and to prayer and literally moving their lives into a monastic space. I don't sense, I could be wrong, I don't sense that that's going to be a thing for most of us, but what we want to do is kind of move our homes to a monastic space where we could have the different practices. Now with prayer, um, I've just read so much about prayer recently and engaged a lot. And I think we're at a point where we have to move towards action in a beautiful sense. We have to move towards action. You know, I don't know if it's because I have a lot less to lose, but I was talking to somebody, you don't know them, and they were talking about this podcast, they were engaging on prayer. And I just looked at them and said, so do you pray? Wonder how that went over? I was like, I'm getting a little more bold in my life, you know? Like, cool, you've read the books, man, that's great. But like, do you actually, do you actually pray? And as I was asking this question, I was asking it of myself, because as a thinker, I love to engage words and concepts. Teaching and information, I love it, I love it. Long form podcast, I'm getting in a car in a few hours, I'm gonna drive down the road to Sarnia on my own, to watch one of my kids play hockey, and um, I, there'll be a long-form podcast. It's just wonderful, just the information. I, total millennial thing. I know Gen Z is now like into like 15-second stuff, but the long-form stuff, I get it, is wonderful and beautiful. But do we actually do in this rhythm? And so I can talk, we can talk about prayer. We can do a whole series on prayer, but the hope is, is to kind of move to um, a space where we actually pray. Um, it's been hard as the church, I get it, like as a younger community, we have not been very successful, like we've done series on prayer, and then we host kind of prayer gatherings and meetings, and nobody comes, so that's always fun, and that's not a judgment, that's just the reality, but how could we take this to our homes? A few things, just a few thoughts as we think about the way Jesus teaches us. One is just to know your rhythm. Before we think about fixed hour prayer as a concept in our homes, um, I think it's important to know our particular rhythm. Um, I love how Ronald Rollhoiser, who wrote this book, uh, Domestic Monastery, he says the only rule of prayer is to show up. And I love that, just a posture of actually like showing up and participating. But each of us in this room need to sort out the type of rhythms we have in our lives. I will say this about Jesus um, and his particular rhythm. It seems like Jesus' rhythm was in the morning, right? He would retreat to like a a quiet place and he would pray and he would come to the Father. Oftentimes you find Jesus praying in the evening and his disciples are sleeping and I'm like, there's a picture of Drew Fest as a disciple of Jesus right there, (laughs) sleeping while Jesus is praying. 
Now, here's the thing. I, I, I'm a little, I'm not concerned, but like in kind of, uh, I think of some of the sp- uh, spiritual formation teachers and some of the writers right now, almost talk of the morning as like a rule. And I actually think, I'll push back against that a little bit and say, I think the New Testament is more descriptive on the life of Jesus than it is prescriptive in doing what he did when he did it. You following me? So Jesus probably ate like nuts and fruits and all that, but we eat Big Macs. Like that's just our thing, right? You know what I'm saying? Like his diet wasn't a prescription for us a couple thousand years later, though it was probably smarter than eating Big Macs and Subway every day. And I'm just talking to myself, right? And I think the same thing, the danger can be, I'm hearing in the tone a little, is that it is all about the morning. I'll say this, if the morning is your rhythm, rock it. If it's not, find your rhythm. When are the best places and spaces to engage? For some of you, getting out of bed at six in the morning is just unrealistic, and I actually think it's, it's actually a burden on us if we make it prescriptive. You following me? For some of us, we just need to find the right space in our personality, in our schedule, and in our times to know the type of rhythm. Take Jesus seriously in his retreation, if that's a word, in his retreating, um, and his devotion in prayer to the Father. But I would, I would encourage us to find the right kind of rhythm for us. But the big thing is this. I would also ask us as a community, as we think about this in our homes, is to consider fixed hour prayer in your household. Consider a way, because this is where you have control over, right? So I have a little bit of control, tiny bit of control about the leading and guiding of the teaching and themes in our church, and I'm just melting and molding your minds, right? But honestly, you, where, where you have all the space in the world, and if you remember a couple weeks ago, we just kind of weighed out one hour here. Our teachings now are about 30 minutes. Our liturgy is an hour almost on the dot. The gathering is as long as you want to make it we're intentional about this stuff, but one of the things we're trying to put in your hands is thinking about scripture and prayer specifically and how you want to do that within your home. Now, again, we have description of some of the things and how the early church focused and how they they prayed together and some of the things that happened in the life of Jesus and the disciples and the call to pray, all of that wonderful stuff. You know, here we are a couple millennia later, and how does this fit for us? You know, I've been thinking this week, this is not rocket science. But there is something typically most of us do three or four times a day. Right? Most of us in this room, we eat a few times a day. Some of you are like, three or four, come on. Snack, snacks for life, I love it. I'm with you at night too, it's good. But if you think about the rhythm of meals in your home, I just wonder... In like 2022 and trying to kind of create a type of monastic life when it comes to prayer, I have been convicted this week, I have it in my notes here, stop the pithy dinner prayers, Drew Fess. Stop them. Stop it. You know, in our house, it's a rush because like the, the, the elements of the tacos are there and everybody is just wanting to devour. You know how it goes. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Go, right? Kind of deal. And I wonder if there's particular other rhythms that sometimes we discount as being able to actually draw prayer into. And I think it's a, we should consider. 
um, when we eat or other types of rhythms in our lives of drawing fixed hours into that. Now with fixed hours, there's apps, there's the Book of Common Prayer, there's different things that you can actually, and some people are even now doing this for kids, that have common prayers, beautiful common prayers that you can actually bring to bear in your home in reading them. We'll send some resources out. One of the apps that I use is just the Common Prayer app, and it has always some scripture in it, some writings uh, and prayers from church mothers and fathers, and uh, some reflection. Just as a way, I'm not perfect at this, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, but I wonder if like there's other rhythms that we do that could be reminders to us to maybe bring a deeper sense of prayer over our families. You know, one of the things now kind of transitioning into bivocational life is why does it have to be the pastors that make the liturgies all the time, right? Think of it like that. Think of you as almost like a pastor or priest of your home, whether you're single or married or married with children, wherever you're at in this kind of journey. Um, Be intentional with the type of liturgies that you could have in your own home, and there's resources out there. So I just encourage you, know your rhythm, Consider fixed hours in, if it's a couple times a day. Think about the Shema that we started with a couple weeks ago. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. The writer there, obviously in the law, is like, do this when you wake up. Do this when you go out the door. Do this when you walk the path. Do this when you eat. Do this when you lie your head. A common, continual reminder. I actually think this, these type of rhythms will, man, I know for me, just as somebody who really struggled with, I'm a pastor guy, and I'm supposed to be the model of prayer, um, and this is just not happening, that doing it in rhythm helps. So know your rhythm, consider fixed hour prayer. And then I'll just say this. Um, I, you know, we didn't talk as much about this last week. Um, Got to be careful. But like, all of Scripture is God-breathed and useful. But there are moments in Scripture that are a little more influential than others, right? So Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer is probably a little more important than like not boiling a goat in its mother's milk from the law. (laughs) You with me? Now that's there for a reason. There's actually a teaching moment in that. We don't have time for that. And there's teaching in that, and it's important, and it's God-breathed, and it's scripture for sure. And, you know, I always think as I think about Jesus and not him only modeling prayer for us, but actually teaching us how, One of the things I think can be very helpful is to pray the Lord's Prayer in our homes regularly. Uh, Many of you don't know this. There was actually a day where they prayed this in school, right? Before uh, school. And, you know, the Lord's Prayer can actually, as we have talked, is really a, a, a beautiful way in which it leads us to, again, praying for just society, praying for justice and righteousness. And there's different translations of it, but... I think if the Lord's Prayer came to bear in our home, some of us are so worried because we feel like we don't know what to say. And I think there's just a recipe for this at times. Praying the Lord's Prayer, fixed hours, joining in with things that have been availed to us and given to us. And so the Lord's Prayer is for us. And I know for myself, we're not doing this very well, but I think of our own home and what I want to see kind of happen in our home um, in teaching our kids. The reality is... We need to hear each other, right? We need to hear each other as we come to God. And I know this is a little controversial because as Protestants, we very much are like, uh, it's about grace and not what we do. And I, I understand that discussion. 
But I just a question to pose as we, as we close and we kind of wind down and come to the table. Do we get better at something if we practice it? Right? Like in all the talk of like being worried about, oh my gosh, like are we going to try and be these people that try and get ourselves into heaven? Whatever that means. I'm not even sure what that means. In the kind of the, the Protestant shaping in our lives, we go, oh man, it's all about like just grace and Jesus' grace. And sure, I'm, I'm all into that. But for some reason, we've pinned effort against practice as though that's like trying to earn something. But man, some of you know, I just think of like dance and just like every step, every, Sonny doesn't dance, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, her daughters do. Her daughters do. Um, uh, and I know I talk, I talk about this a lot, but this is my life, like watching in youth sports, hours upon hours, but ki- parents, crazy bum parents that will get in the car and drive their kids everywhere at any time of the day uh, to practice and to practice and to practice and to practice. We believe in formation and practice in everything else except what we do here as Jesus followers. We are convinced on practice with everything, whether it's music or our business practices or youth sports or whatever it is. And I know this may sound controversial. I actually think prayer can be something we get good at. If we don't do it, you're probably not going to get very good at it. And that shouldn't be a weight or a burden, but just as I looked at the guy in the face and said, hey, do you pray? And it was like the, uh, uh, well, I listened to prayer stuff. Cool, great. Do you pray? I really believe that we can get better as we practice all of these disciplines. And I do believe that we can get better. I know that sounds like controversial language. I don't mean it to be controversial. We can get better as we see this come to bear in in our homes. Know our rhythm. Consider fixed hours in our house. Consider what fits you in your household. And just pray the Lord's Prayer over and over. Take Jesus' words and put them into action. And, you know, as we talk about spontaneity, one of the things that I've noticed in my own life is the fixed hour has actually unleashed now more probably spontaneity or more uh, like uh, free prayer, if you want to call it, than ever before. And so my own journey has been difficult in this, but as I think about our homes and our households, I just think there's some things that we could do to kind of till the ground. Just like scripture, get this meta story over us. Let's count a joy. How often, can we be honest, how often is prayer kind of, kind of approached as awkward? You ever been there? Just kind of, what if, what if we were able to kind of break that down? That the most natural thing we could do is reading a scripture prayer, is coming to God, is, is freely praying over somebody, your kids, those in your household, if you have kids, or um, people in your community, whatever it is. Um, I really do believe that a, a consistency and, and thinking through just fixed hours will help unleash all sorts of things. And so we take Jesus' word seriously. When you pray, brothers and sisters, again, Jesus coming to uh, the point where the crowd's bearing down on him. Jesus, we want stuff from you. We want you to heal us. We want the kind of the sideshow. We want, we want you to do what you're going to do. And it says Jesus often withdrew to lonely, lonely, the lonely place, lonely places. And he prayed. My prayer is, God, make us those kind of people. And God, even for my own, what I have control over, God, help me in my space, as always, just to do the best with what I have, right? What, what, think about it as we kind of come to the table. What, what do you have in your hands? What do you have available to you? Some of you guys are college students and it's just like a very busy life and roommates who are wonderful all the time. Am I right? 
no annoying roommates ever, all right? Wait till you get married. I'm just joking, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. I'm kidding. I love you, Heather. Um, I love my wife. That was, I, ha- I honestly hate when people do those little uh, marriage jabs, and I just did it, so that's terrible. But what do you have before you? Your marriage, life, creating a home. For some of us, kids, you know. What's, what's, what do you have that you can do the best with what you have? Honestly, I know sometimes in our language we get, there's, there's honestly sometimes in us a cautiousness around doing. But I would just say, I think God, by his spirit, has given us things. And even this morning, maybe is doing things in our heart as we hear even little practical ways in which we could see this happen. Um, so that it's not just hearing, it's not just information, it's not just content, but it's actually a, a doing in our lives. Jesus modeled this for us, but he also taught us how to do this. And so King Jesus, I just pray right now, as we come to the tables, as we close our morning together, that you would just help us in this. Help us to follow you. And I just pray this morning that we would find you, God, in how you're designing our lives. For many of us, there's such different personalities, such such different ways of approaching um, our lives even in this room. You've given us different stories and that's the beauty of coming into a place like this is all these unique different stories coming together. I'm so thankful. But I pray that as we come to the table and as we, as we remember Jesus, your work, your body that was broken, your blood that was poured out, we would also remember Jesus that as you are king, you have designed us uniquely. And God, we just want to be a people that follow you with everything. And so, God, prayer is the thing that reveals whether we're really, like, we really believe what we say. Do we believe that you're living and active? Yes, we do, God. We say yes, but also in our practices, may that be evident in how we live our lives. So I pray for every home represented as we've been praying over this series. And I just pray that, You would help us as we just look to do these things within our homes. For some of us in maybe unique ways, maybe we felt the burden of prayer this morning and just like we just fail and fail at this and it's just we've given up. May there be like almost like a rekindling, a rebirth of like we can. God, I know this has been my story. So much discouragement around this and yet God, I'm thankful for finding you sometimes in unusual spaces unusual parts of the day. And may that be our community. God, thank you. Thank you for your love, your grace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.